I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today I have with me Brittany Spanos and Tomas Mier. We're going to start by talking about the excellent new single from Olivia Rodrigo, which is her first music since the release of her debut Sour two years ago. And then we're going to talk about the disturbing fact that no one seems to know how to behave at concerts anymore. So that new song is called Vampire. And it's really good, man. It's I expected it to be good because I think she's great, but it kind of surprised me. Every girl I ever talked to told me you were bad, bad news. You called them crazy. God, I hate the way I called them crazy, too. You're so convincing. It has a lot of verve and energy and this kind of theatrical construction and a lot of different parts to it. And it's just a really exciting and cool and different song that sounds like nothing out there in 2023 and is both in continuity with her previous work and also a step forward. Tomas, you tweeted like people were somehow rooting or expecting it to be bad. What's that all about? Oh, I think Twitter people just are like, oh, it's actually good because they <laughs> they like expect that because Sour was so amazing that the next era is going to be bad or something like that. And Vampire was amazing. Like lyrically was so good. The music was amazing. The video was also very cool. It's a new era for Olivia, and it's equally as iconic. We're already going to iconic. Just to, <laughs> I want to dig in more on the song itself, but Brittany, not to make this whole thing about dunking on dumb people on Twitter, as fun as that is, there was this really funny thing also on Twitter where people were mad that the colors were too similar to stuff that yeah. she used on her previous album. It's not designating the era enough. We're in this pop moment of the last, I think like the last decade has really built towards it where the idea is that you're meant to destroy your last self. And I think that's existed in music for a long time, but I think it's become such a commonality in pop music where the idea is with every album, you're killing off the, your former self and reinventing completely, whether it's aesthetically or sonically or whatever. And that's fun for sure, especially for the pop girls. They have a lot of fun with that and can do a lot with that entire kind of energy shift and changing who they are between albums. But it's not necessary to make great art or make an interesting album. And I think for Olivia with a moment like this, I think what was great about the song Vampire, on top of like sticking with a theme of maintaining the purple and making it like a little darker on this album versus what Sour looked like, it looks more mature than it like than the Sour kind of stickers and all of that. But even just sort of the fake out of Vampire where it starts off as this like piano ballad where you're expecting this driver's license part two lead single. And then it turns into this kind of drum driven, like really like intense and loud and theatrical moment. I think that is such a great way of her being able to say, look, this is a different album. This is a different era for sure. But it's also like, I don't need to reinvent what worked and what I'm trying to grow as. She really cares about her songwriting, really cares about making that work for herself and continuing to hone that and she's made that very clear that is the focus and she doesn't want to do the theatrics of being like I am a new person here's I dyed my I'm a redhead now and like here's my new album when the al last album was so successful with this concept with the lavender like why do it why not keep on with that concept and I think it's really cool because it's obviously still like a breakup type song as was sour as it, in its entirety so I think that's really cool that she's been able to start the new era but still be part of the same concept and not have to completely change which I think works yeah why not have a signature color what's wrong with that exactly. that's such a fun thing there were so many tweets that were like why wouldn't she go deeper into the vampire concept before they even heard the song and they're, I was like it's not literally about vampires let's wait a second <laughs> let's not she isn't gonna come out here with like fangs and 
blood dripping down oh. her mouth for the album cover, why would she make a vampire concept album? And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord I will slay him. Ha 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 ha! Take him from me! How many times have we seen that? That is also so old at this point. Yeah, like it would that be really corny if she went deeper into the. She know she knows what she's doing. Like we got to trust her and put some faith into that. So I think it worked well. Put some faith into Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> Let's project our faith and hope and dreams onto Olivia Rodrigo. But so two points: the Eros thing. Really, you can trace the lineage very precisely. It came from David Bowie via Madonna. Madonna was a huge David Bowie fan. She saw what he did. He was really the first person to do that, to trash his image and his sound with perhaps not every album, but in literally eras. He would do maybe a couple albums. Yeah. Sometimes they were in the same vibe and then totally switch it up, change everything about himself. And Madonna took that from him and did it even better and on a bigger scale. And then for every pop star afterward, it became increasingly mandatory, especially in the last decade. But I do wonder whether with Taylor doing the Eras tour, maybe that can help retire the mandatory Eras. She's now claimed it for herself, so everyone can do their own thing. You don't have to have a whole Era thing. It's not mandatory. But song-wise, back to the song, a few things about it. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Greenlight by Lord. in its sort of structure and its surging thing, but it does its own thing. People have compared it to musical theater a little bit. I think it hits some of the same pleasure centers that the weird number of super young fans that Queen has now. It has that kind of Queen-like theatricality, although they would never do the beats and everything, but still, like, in spirit, it seems like it. And also, the way she sings the, the phrase Starfucker is just so awesome. I just want to say that. That part is killer. It's a really good song, and I don't think people should underestimate her. And the thing is, also, there is no song in your whole career that has more pressure on it than the first single from your second album after a huge debut. Yeah. So that's why if people were rooting for her to fail, that's because of some Stan War issues. And because if this song had sucked, that could have been, and then it turned out the album was super disappointed. That could have been it for Olivia. Made a great debut and flopped. I just don't think that was ever in the cards. Yeah, I think to what Tomas is tweeting, what he said earlier, too, is like with a lot of that even goes beyond like prior to Stan Wars, the idea that you become this kind of like darling newcomer sweeping every award. She's taking home a bunch of Grammy yeah. awards on her first run, has multiple hit singles off this album. Like everyone is rooting for you to fail. Like that, ex I feel like that existed long before. I don't think people were expecting Britney sure. Spears to come back from Hit Me Baby one more time with even more hits after that. And I don't think anyone was expecting like Fiona Apple to make an album that was as good as Tidal. There are like these moments in music where I think people are always like, unwilling to recognize the success, especially of young women, and unwilling to look at it as permanent or any sort of legacy. And I think for everyone, it's like it's meant to be a flash in a pan or it's meant to they're meant to crumble under all the pressure. We've seen a really great run of artists that I think people have been rooting against have these like big, massive debuts and then come back with incredible sophomore albums that grow who they are and make their their make it very clear that they're here to stay. Yeah. It's have, has anyone tried to claim it's bad? Have you seen anyone? 
I've only seen it from Stan accounts. Not. Yeah, like people who are in the pop crane mentions who are like Ariana outsold. It's that kind of stuff. <laughs> Ariana's career is totally on hold and yet her stands will not stop. I will say that is That's impressive. Power. The longer she goes without really releasing anything, the more they increase their volume online. It's really something. Absence makes the heart grow Imagine fire. how the Sky Ferreira stands, how they feel. <laughs> how they felt for so long. Yeah. So it raises a lot of curiosity for what the rest of the album is like. Brittany, you talked to her. What were the most important things you learned? Yeah, I think that she's, again, she's focusing a lot on the songwriting on this one. It's her and Daniel Nigro again, which I think I love that you know, she's found this collaborative partner that works really well for her. And I think that's always the smartest thing for any sort of burgeoning artist is someone that you feel like you can really grow as a writer with. And she mentioned that a lot of the songs on this album are more about like her own mistakes. Obviously, Sour and that entire press cycle was a lot about her breakup with her co-star and the love triangle that ensued and all of the drama around that and that very like teenage anger at everyone in the world. But it seems like a lot of this is her sort of assessing what she's not just been through in the last couple of years, but like her own sort of way that she partook in any sort of mistakes that kind of occurred in those last couple of years. So I think that's a fun and fascinating way for her to look ahead and dive in. So the other thing we have to talk about is a little less fun. It's the apotheosis of a trend that we've already discussed, that we've already noticed. People have been talking about this extensively on TikTok and elsewhere for months and months now. That post-pandemic, some fans seem to have forgotten how to behave at concerts. This general sense of all the little etiquette things have gone out the window, people talking really loudly during opening acts, screaming heedlessly during soft songs, not acting right. It seems to be a consistent thing. But this is a, a new thing. People have been harming artists. It's especially been affecting female artists. So BB Rexa got hit in the face with a phone. She required stitches, was taken off of stage and left the show. It was the end of the concert in New York and she got hit in the face. And this person is now facing multiple charges. Ava Max was attacked on stage by a fan who found their way on stage, scratched the inside of her eye, according to Ava. So it was like a fan who idiotically jumped on stage, then was dragged off stage and started like flailing their arms. And injured Ava, is that what we think happened? I think so. I think that's what happened. Because you could see them getting taken off stage with security guard and their arms are just flailing and it ended up scratching Ava. And you were talking about Glorilla as well. Yeah, Glorilla ended up kicking out two people from her show because they started throwing things on stage. Apparently they were bottles that were thrown at her. So they were like, who threw that? And ended up escorting them out of the venue. Yeah, Kelsey was hit in the face by a bracelet that was tossed on stage. She didn't incur any injuries, she said, but obviously had to walk off to gather her composure and make sure everyone felt safe to return. Yeah, so Kelsey Ballerini that was, yeah. And then less harmful, but definitely weird, yeah. was this pink thing. There were two different pink incidents. Pink was playing two shows in London, and at the first night, someone tossed a bag of their mother's ashes on stage to a very sure. horrified pink and obviously did not this was not as a as violent an assault as the other performers but obviously very weird and inappropriate thing to toss at a stranger and the second night a fan passed up a wheel of brie to pink and i have a lot of questions about how they're able to get a wheel of brie in a venue yeah I, and we 
have tried to, Brittany, I know you tried to investigate the Brie incident and figure out the significance of the Brie wheel, but to no avail. No, uh, yeah, I couldn't really find a source of it. I haven't looked in a couple days to catch up on it. But when I, after the incident, I found the TikTok page of the person who posted it and they were very excited that they were able to get a wheel of Brie up to Pink and then moved on with their lives. No clue why that happened, but Pink now owns it. She seemed more excited about the wheel of Brie. But I, yeah, it's a little gross. How does one get a wheel of brie through security in a wooden package, by the way? In a in any venue now. It seems like she was playing a pretty large venue. And like most venues around the world that size don't allow you to bring anything larger than like a cell phone, basically, if you have a purse or any kind of item with you. And so it's crazy that they got this like gigantic wheel of brie. Maybe they told security that they and their six friends were all diabetic and thus needed snacks yeah that's my (laughs) best theory exactly the pink stuff is funny throwing shit at artists that could hurt them is really bad yeah it's really disturbing and i don't know what's going on i think it might be copycat syndrome i think that if i had to theorize i think maybe the pandemic sort of melted people's minds they're so used to seeing these people on screens that they can't get over the fact that they're really in the same room with them and they can't quite process the fact that they're human beings who could be hurt if you throw something at them and if i had to guess at the disconnect it's that but what do you two think i think people are attention starved and are dying to go viral or have any sort of moment that like not even just going viral i think people want to connect with their artists in ways I don't think this counts for most of the people. I think like the Brexit incident was not this. I think that was like a full on wanting attention thing. I think Ava Max, a fan running up on stage is clearly them wanting to like get the attention of an artist that they loved, but in the end ended up harming them. Same thing with the pink incidents and the Kelsey. Someone's obviously friendship bracelets have become a big thing at concerts now and seems like they were throwing something up on her and thought it would be a gift, but instead it almost injured her. So I think it's a mix of there are people who really want to create that viral moment that people are talking about and that becomes like a therefore an interaction with the artists themselves and also have some sort of connection. I see this at a lot of Harry shows this has been a conversation for the 10 years he's been touring Love on Tour. And it's been a lot of people tossing things on stage because they want that reaction from him that then goes becomes like this. Oh, look at Harry laughing at this thing that I threw on stage or look at him reacting to that. And then a lot of the times he ends up getting hit some body part by it. So I think people are misplacing their need for attention from their favorite artists into... If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen violence now maybe it's a little bit of main character syndrome you're in a concert with 40,000 other people but you're the main character so you need to become the star for a moment Mm -hmm. I don't know I think it's really demented at the same time look as much as when I want to dig into kind of some of the other post-pandemic bad behavior as much as it may be a sort of post-pandemic phenomenon the truth is this kind of thing has been happening for years people act like idiots at concerts There was second mention of David Bowie this episode. David Bowie in 2004, towards the very end of his touring career, was hit in the... Someone threw a lollipop on stage. It hit him right in the eye. His eye that was already damaged, his eye had already changed color. Weird thing from when he was young and had been punched in the eye by his childhood friend. And so his already screwed up eye got hit right in the eye with a lollipop. And there's... The whole reason why they take the caps of bottles at any outdoor show or really any show, you never have a bottle, is because people used to throw those for some reason. Another random example, there's a story I always tell, Charles M. Young, who was a legendary Rolling Stone writer, he passed away a few years ago, he was at a Slayer concert in the 80s. And he was covering it. And he was in, anyone who's ever been to Madison Square Garden, and it's true of a lot of other arenas, there's these claustrophobic stairwells afterwards. And someone lit a firework in that stairwell and it exploded not far from his ear and it's so loud and echoey that he had permanent hearing damage. And fireworks used to be a big thing because security used to suck way more at concerts. People used to set off fireworks, this is before my time, but I know that people used to set up fireworks all the time at outdoor shows. All sorts of truly horrendous behavior has happened for many years with that proviso. That said, there's been so many complaints about crowd behavior and it's also... I do think some of it is we love pop stands, but sometimes fandoms can get a little out of control and some of the ethos of unhinged online fandom after the pandemic has maybe started to be enacted in real life, which is why you have, I've heard some tales of really out of hand behavior at Phoebe Bridgers and Boy Genius shows even. Their fan base has gotten much younger. What have you witnessed personally and heard about because i can't tell you how many tiktoks and tweets i've seen about this stuff last time we talked about concert etiquette brian was about people disrespecting the openers for artists yeah and now it's it, that's not even the thing it's like just disrespecting artists period and i think that's been a really big thing also I, we talked about the ones in the last three weeks but there was like rosalia getting hit in the face with a bouquet of flowers kelly uchi's doing the same having the same happen to her and i don't know what it is about the crowds like maybe it is that seeking for attention or maybe just not understanding or like pretending you don't understand or maybe translating that parasocial relationship with an artist into real life just doesn't translate the same way i don't understand where that comes from i don't personally i've been seeing a lot i'm a lyric singer at concerts i will be honest and maybe i'm a little louder than other people just because i think that's how i like to enjoy a show but i have seen a lot of like screamers which i think is very different yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I agree. I talked about this a little bit in the Taylor Mania episode. Singing along really loud, even really loudly, that's what you do at concerts. Mm. The thing that kind of freaks me out, and luckily I didn't experience that much of it at, at Taylor, is just that thing 
where you're just literally not singing, but screaming at the top of your lungs, not just at the part you like, but for the whole concert. I've seen, this is a thing I've seen, unfortunately, even with, it's a small minority of Swifties, but there there are people who try to show that they're the biggest Swiftie by literally, like, the way that some, that everyone treats the Bridge of Cruel Summer. They treat every word of every song. People are competing to show they're the biggest fans, so they think the way to do that is by not singing, but, like, literally screaming at the top of their lungs every word for the entire concert, and it is loud enough that it can bum people out around you. It does feel a little bit like a new thing, like this competitive, yeah. and then sometimes they have their friend film them doing it, so then they can show it on TikTok that they're the craziest fan, but then other people are filming them and being like, look at this annoying motherfucker <laughs> next to me. I do think some of that is, is what's going on is the performative aspect of being a fan has maybe yeah. increased. I think that there's a lot of an element of you're not necessarily going to a concert to enjoy the music at some point i think that even seeing like the complaints people have about concerts or like things it's like it's not even about the idea of being at a show and enjoying the show and like enjoying the experience of 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 yelling out the lyrics to songs i love screaming out the lyrics to songs and i love being able to do that because it's such a release to be able to do that in a venue and i think especially for a lot of people right now it's you go several years depending on the last time your favorite artist toured if this is the first time that they some artists are touring for the first time ever this year and last year some artists it's been years and years since they've been able to have this moment of being a fan and being able to have that sort of connection with other fans in that way but i think there is an element now where like that's not even like the primary thing anymore and seeing yeah like seeing a lot of like videos and tweets and things like people are going it seems like a lot of people are enjoying more of the performative nature of showing that they're the biggest fan or showing that they're the biggest hater i've seen people go to concerts and want to be a hater about it and they're like trying to perform being a hater at a show and it's like what things are too expensive now don't do that like what are you doing but yeah like it's a surreal thing but also audiences have always been bad in my opinion right. i'm a i used to be like a pit girl like i used to be like i want to be on the floor i want to be dancing i've seen some of the worst human behavior at all pop shows at rock <laughs> shows at rap shows at country shows i have seen it and it's happened and i think crowds are crowd mentality is bad and i think people want to be the closest that they can be they want to be in the thick of the of everything they want to be the one who's like the biggest fan and they think they are but yeah i do think there's a now performance element that's made already a bad vibe that sometimes crowds bring to a show that has made it worse do you guys think it has to do with rising ticket prices i was just I gonna paid say so that. much for this concert yeah. that i i I deserve to do this or I paid to get be in here so I can do whatever the hell I want. I think there's something along those lines because to get into a Taylor Swift show or anybody, you're paying upwards of 200 bucks usually. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of money. And I feel like a lot of the people that we're seeing at these shows misbehaving are very young. So that's a big chunk of a paycheck, if not the mm -hmm. whole paycheck for some of these kids. So maybe they think, oh, since I paid so much money, it's my free space. I paid to be here. So I'm going to throw that phone at BB Rexa. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does make like a more volatile type of energy to like how people are interacting with it because they want to have the best night of their lives. Like they want to have a night that they ideally will remember forever if they're spending like some people are spending thousands of dollars on stadium shows right now yeah. because of everything. It's, and on top of traveling, like a people, a lot of people are traveling, especially for pop shows, like people are going all over. And I think it becomes, yeah, it's like that mixture of I've spent all this money. I've come here. I'm going to have the interaction like people get like I've seen a lot of people who very frequently travel for pop shows for certain artists and they are upset at the artist that they're not getting attention <laughs> in the ways that they want. They're upset that they are spending all this money and the artist isn't 
saying hi to them at every show or like waving or noticing their sign or noticing their outfit or noticing the thing that they tossed on stage. Like it's a little, it's, that's not the point. I saw a tweet from somebody. It was like a screenshot from like a forum. Somebody was like upset that there was a straight person or a straight presenting person at a boy genius show and that they were closer to them to the stage. And they were like, how dare you be in front of me? And it's just, I think it's, there's like this weird thing now around gatekeeping the biggest artist question Mm -hmm. mark. Like, yeah, I just doesn't make sense to me how that translates. It was just like a weird conversation about who gets to see your favorite artist. Like, how do you measure who gets to see them? And I think it's such a weird thing that I think has translated to this misbehavior. I feel like I also sometimes I'm wondering, am I also more sensitive to I feel like I I feel like I've had a lot of moments in crowds in like the COVID era of concerts where I just feel like I am genuinely getting more sensitive to being in crowds. And like, I know a lot of people, too, who are in the same position so i'm like am i like also like i'm like sometimes i can't tell if i'm is everyone worse or am i like just getting really hypersensitive to the environment around me in a way that i wasn't before but yeah i don't know i think that also factors in for a lot of people too is just like having this like new sensitivity to interacting with things that you that were once very normal that aren't anymore and i think for a lot of people too it's either you become super sensitive to it or completely desensitized to the idea of the fact that you're being surrounded by a lot of strangers and sometimes your behavior can come off as really rude and make their experience really unenjoyable yeah no i think that's a great point what i did want to say is some of this is younger fans but also some of the worst concert behavior i've seen over the years and recently has been by boomer age fans i've had so many times with their phones at full brightness in the dark (laughs) next to me and i wrote about this at even at the springsteen concert at madison square garden there was some horrendous behavior in the stands by these finance looking bros talking at full volume during slow songs and that definitely gets into the like I feel entitled because I paid a lot thing. It's my concert. I paid for it. I'm going to talk. It's not just limited to, I don't want to pick on Gen Z, but I will say that it is what you do see, especially on TikTok, is people who are like 25 complaining about people who are 17. It it comes close to sort of intra-generational war almost. There does seem to be an element, which we didn't directly talk about, which is the sort of original thing that we talked about with the uh, opening act rudeness which is a generation who wasn't socialized, who didn't, who weren't used to going to concerts and went past the age where they would have started during the pandemic and then started and then all showed up en masse, teenagers who had no idea how to behave at their concerts. And so that's why I think shit started to get really weird. And I do think that is an element as well. It sucks. And you want your favorite artist to be able to continue touring and you want them to feel comfortable. Yeah, like the Ava Max thing, that fan jumped the stage, but she she does bring people on stage and it sets up this distrust that she was already placing a lot of trust into her fans to be able to feel comfortable to bring a fan on stage to like have a moment with her. And now I, I don't know if she still has continued doing it. I don't know if the tour is still going, but I mean, that I, if I were her, I would be like, I'm never doing that again. That's awful. That was like a horrendous experience. But yeah, I think it just, it really sucks because all these artists are as excited to be on the road as the fans are to see them. And it's just rude to injure them. 
Yeah, it's uh, again, they're people. It's an issue of screens versus not screens. When you're used to seeing them through a screen, you just forget the essential humanity. Artists are people. They're people who are who get paid almost nothing for streaming music and then have to physically take themselves on the road to earn money in a lot of cases, except for superstars. So here you have people being like essentially forced to drag themselves on stage if they want to earn a living as a musician. And then they're having shit thrown at them and being injured. And the whole thing just seems really unfair and dehumanizing to artists and just weird. Yeah. It's just weird. There's a certain degree of social contagion with any behavior. And I'm concerned that this has become a viral thing where people get it in their heads. Yeah. Because this rash of incidents, it seems unlikely that it's a coincidence. It feels like people are getting it in their heads that like, oh, throwing things is a thing. And I'm sure I'm sure there's a bunch of artists trying to take as many precautions as possible. But you can't prevent every single item that's throwable from coming into a venue. So it's just it's really annoying. And it's how do you stand at the a venue without flinching? It's it sucks. Yeah. No for real. There's also Lady Gaga did this during one of her tours, like maybe I think it might have been the art rave, her art pop era, where there was a moment in the show where everybody could throw their things on stage. There was like a designated moment where people would throw stuffed animals at her and things like that. But it was like that was the space to do it and she knew that's what would happen and people would throw all these things at her. And maybe that's the solution. Of Here's your, take out your pent-up energy about throwing things and here's the segment where you can do it. I also think to the idea of it becoming this, like we have to outdo everyone. Like I'm thinking about meet and greets years ago, like where people, when people did oh meet and greets God. more regularly, people went, I remember like Charlie XCX, there was like a fan who brought poppers to, for her to sign. And then the next time a fan brought like an enema for her to sign, which is like an insane thing to bring to a meet and greet to have an artist sign. And again, it's just, it's weird. It's like inappropriate. It's like, why would she want to sign that? Like just bring a, an album or a t-shirt or a picture or I don't know, a notebook anything and so it's just like weird stuff where people were really trying to outdo each other when meet and greets were a lot more common and a thing where i think maybe that was where people had their sort of pent-up energy of being able to get this attention because they paid extra and they they were they had like two minutes to make an impression and so might as well bring something insane for my favorite artist to sign because people don't have as much physical media usually anymore so it's here's a here's an enema cool there was like a big moment of that did you see that guy that goes to meet and greets and is I'm gonna sing for the artist and then that. does like a oh horrible God. job singing? I yeah. hate that. I hate that. It makes that. me so mad. Yeah, and, and people just, are such like, good sports about it. Yeah, people are such good sports about it, but I it's like weird and like we, it's it's weird just, and rude and so yeah. main character. Yeah. A lot of artists have curtailed meet and greets because of the lingering COVID out there. Yeah. And I wouldn't blame a lot of artists, especially really famous ones, for being like, fuck that. I'm never doing a meet and greet again because no one knows how to behave anymore. And I'm scared of my own fans. I would not blame anyone for for doing that. That was like a, a really interesting and kind of dark thing that was happening in the last sort of like Taylor rollout and the stadium shows. Like she's very known for having done meet and greets at all of her tours and doing listening sessions for albums and she didn't do that for uh, for obvious reasons it's a health risk and just a much more difficult ordeal especially if you want to tour as extensively now as many people do and so as she's doing specifically and people were complaining about that it's like people were mad about the fact that wasn't happening that people weren't getting that people were spending money and not getting pulled from the audience by taylor's team to go backstage and meet her i think there's a lot of that where people have a lot of expectations of interacting with people in a way that just can't happen in the same 
nature anymore if you also want to see them live like it's just some artists are doing meet and greets and that's i think whatever works for everyone but it's just sometimes it just doesn't sometimes there are certain issues that just can't make it work anymore and it's just uh, i think people feel so owed attention and it owed that interaction yeah they feel entitled to it and they are finding new ways they're bringing ridiculous signs and they're wearing costumes that are blocking the people behind them and they're like they're going so above and beyond and they're throwing things now that it's like you don't deserve that. That's not, this is not the experience that you're paying for. You're paying for this experience of watching the show and doing that and seeing it's already like super expensive, but there's not, that's not how this works. As an artist, you want to stir people into a frenzy, but then you want the frenzy to cut off at a point of safety. And so that's the tricky thing, right? That's part of the, the thing. But I, I do think this sort of proximity of social media and the parasocial relationships that it has engendered may have, to put it academically, driven people a little nuts. Yeah. What are you going to just everyone just go nuts. Just don't hurt people. Don't shriek. Don't impede other people's enjoyment of the concert. I guess let's say the and look at Astroworld. We still don't know exactly what happened and I would never blame fans for it. But people have to be aware of safety at concerts. They have to be aware of not like pushing forward crazily. This can have even more serious consequences. And what I don't want is for this to get worse, because if this is on a ascending trend, what's the next thing that gets worse than this? It's, it's, it's no good. I think if people chilled out, they'd realize that they would have a really good time at the show regardless of getting that attention. And I think it sucks yeah. that people haven't realized that yet. I don't know. Even like you mentioned, like, we're in a very privileged position where we have really amazing opportunities to talk with artists that we love. But I don't know, like I I saw when I saw Lady Gaga for the first time when I was 17, I, like I was I had a great time. I have so that is like one of the best memories of my life was going to that concert. I didn't have to talk to her to enjoy it or get her to notice my hot topic Alejandro shirt I was wearing or make her sign, I don't know, my great grandparents' ashes or something like it's like I didn't need those things <laughs> to make that show enjoyable because it was powerful enough to see my favorite artist perform and experience that with my best friends and be 17 and that was really amazing. And I think that if people were able to let that sink in for it, like that's enough. Like that is an interaction. That is like a relationship that you have with this artist for the rest of your life and is so much more powerful than getting a video of you throwing a bracelet at an artist that you love and then causing them harm where they now don't feel safe at a concert and take you take that opportunity away probably from many people of getting to interact with them so it's like why why do that you don't have to be a main character every day y'all that's yeah. the takeaway here <laughs> be a main character at home tweet away <laughs> do your little thing yeah but let everybody enjoy the show period yeah. but also if you're dancing at a concert enough like you're already a main character because you're at that concert yeah with your buddies exactly. in, in the movie of your life enjoying that show you can be you're in a main character in the safety of your seat is that in not that, enough you, in the movie of your life you're the main character always yeah in the movie of the concert though the person on stage that's the main, that's the main character i'm happy to be a supporting <laughs> character i don't know but i'm also leo's son so i'm like i'm a main character in everything i'm doing so it's fun but it's i just i think it's fun like concerts are supposed to be fun and it's and i don't know i think i think people don't realize what that to, to a point that you mentioned earlier brian like a lot of people just haven't been to these shows before haven't had sort of these experiences going to shows and are not really Realizing that experience can be fulfilling and amazing in in and of itself. I don't know. I've had a lot of great co- where I haven't filmed a single thing. I'm like, it's like a wonderful thing to experience. It's just like sitting at a show and just hanging out and not expecting people to notice my 
cute outfit or that I'm shrieking to every lyric. For real. There we go. We've said it all. Don't throw shit. <laughs> Brittany and Tomas, thanks so much. Thank you. Yay, thank you. And that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe to Rolling Stone Music Now wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.